When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into another episode of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast covering your Buffalo Bills. And today is a two-part episode. The first part is going to be my interview with epidemiologist and professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Buffalo, John A. Selleck. We talk a little bit about the upcoming NFL season and some of the challenges that teams across the league are going to face as games start happening and that even that seems so far away but what teams are going to have to deal with especially when they're traveling and and going into different cities that may be experiencing different levels of infection rate in those cities due to COVID-19 so we talk a lot about that in the interview and then Ryan Talbot and I jump on uh, for about 20 minutes uh, to react to the interview and, and, and bring it to a more Bills perspective and football perspective and, and, and give you guys a little bit of our thoughts on all the challenges that await. Because let's be honest, this is going to be a very different season. Uh, the NBA is, is about to get ramped up here pretty soon, and, and they're doing so in a complete bubble. The NFL doesn't have that luxury, so we talk about a lot of that. And as always, if you guys could and and if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you're a returning uh, listener and haven't yet, please subscribe. Uh, that really helps us out. Leave a rating and review if you enjoyed it. And um, that will really uh, help us grow the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all your support. We're trying to get line up more fun guests for you guys. Um, also, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. Head over there. In the next two weeks, we are going to get you primed and ready for training camp, which does seem like it is full systems go. Uh, July 28th, uh, we'll be, I, I will be at New Era Field at the Ed, Ed Pro Sports Training Facility in Orchard Park uh, to bring you what, what parts of training camp we are allowed to attend and coverage uh, from that. Uh, but without any further ado, here is first our interview with Dr. John Selleck, from the University of Buffalo, and then Ryan Talbot and I uh, follow that up. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Shout uh, Buffalo Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Perino, uh, and I'm joined today uh, by a very special guest, Dr. John Selleck, 
uh, University at Buffalo professor, epidemiologist. Uh, obviously, this is probably a very busy time for you, sir. Uh, how have things been going for you the last couple of months? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty interesting uh, spring and early summer so far. Uh, you know, we're somewhat fortunate that our uh, caseload in, in New York has gone down quite a bit. But, uh, uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, March, April, May, uh, things were, things were uh, pretty tough. So we understand what's going on in the, in the uh, southern states and southwestern states right now. Uh, you know, it kind of completely takes your life over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, like we're a little less than three weeks now away from uh, training camps. Uh, we anticipate opening uh, in the NFL. And so we're going to have players from all over uh, the country uh, ascending on Buffalo as a lot of cities are going to across the country. You know, in terms of, you know, New York, I know that fans aren't going to be involved, but when you start to have all the traveling beginning to happen, you know, as we get on the other side of this thing, um, how, how much – you know, how concerned are you that, you know, even in a state like New York where things have gone so well that any type of lackadaisical approach could maybe set things back a little bit? Yeah, well, I would hope, uh, I, hope I would hope no one is being lackadaisical about it. And, you know, and I don't know specifically what every team is doing. I just see what's being, uh, you know, reported in the media right now. But obviously, uh, football and other contact sports, uh, you know, like hockey and even basketball, but football in particular, uh, you have a large number of people on the field at one time. Uh, they're mostly, uh, you know, pretty good sized guys, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, remarkable physical condition. Uh, so when they're doing what they do, uh, they are generating a large volume of, uh, you know, huffing and puffing if I, uh, you know, we'll call it that, uh, you know, non-medically. Plus, they're very close to one another. Uh, you know, you can imagine the, uh, uh, you know, so not all seven guys on the line are, are directly across from one another, but usually, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, at least eight or nine of them uh, between the two teams. Uh, and if these guys are, um, you know, really, uh, you know, breathing heavily as they, as you would expect them to be uh, with the, um, you know, with the kind of, uh, you know, physical exertion that they do, uh, you know, right there, you're in that, you know, you're within that, uh, that zone where they're within six feet and they're not wearing masks. So the opportunity, if one of them is infected to spread it, uh, is high. So I'm presuming that they, they have a variety of testing protocols in place to try to minimize the chance uh, that when they're having physical contact, uh, that they're, um, you know, there's going to be minimal opportunity to spread this. Now, the second part of it is what you talk about, and that's all the ancillary people. Uh, you know, they, you, you pack everybody into a plane, you pack everybody into a hotel, uh, into a locker room, uh, et cetera. So you've got, uh, you know, real opportunity for a large number of people uh, to be uh, very close together. Uh, and, you know, if you're allowing uh, these players and other staff members uh, to be free living in the community so that they go home to their, you know, their usual homes and, you know, they may have visitors, uh, you know, they may, may go out to dinner or whatever. Uh, the opportunities uh, for someone to get infected and then bring that back into, uh, uh, you know, that kind of inner circle, uh, I think is, uh, you know, is, is a, a, a real potential problem. And again, I don't know exactly uh, what all the teams have done to uh, deal with this, but uh, hopefully they have. 
Yeah, and that, <clears throat> that's an interesting part of this too, because I feel like this is an ever-changing, always evolving situation where, you know, one day you could think some one thing about how you're going to approach this. And then the next day, you know, things change and new research and new data is popping up almost daily. So is this something where, you know, I think I know a lot of fans and players are frustrated with the fact that uh, the NFL doesn't have this clear cut plan about how the season is going to be approached. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that everybody's still learning about this. Well, you know, that's true to a degree. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think that's kind of a, a you know, a fallback a lot of times. Uh, you know, we, you know, there's, you know, we are learning uh, new stuff about this every day, but the basic uh, principles on how it's spread are, are relatively the same uh, as when it got started. We know that this is spread by respiratory droplets. There's a little bit of debate right now whether it's, uh, you know, predominantly the large droplets, which most of us think it is. Uh, you know, there are some people who believe that the uh, very smaller droplets that can uh, travel longer distances uh, may be a problem as well. But that's really the, uh, the extent of, um, uh, you know, stuff that's changing in terms of how it's spread. The things that are changing, you know, different parts of the country are seeing, uh, you know, their peak activity at different times. Uh, you know, you saw yesterday on the news, people are saying, are we in the second wave? Well, the reality is we're not out of the first wave yet. You know, the, the wave has been moving east to west in the United States, uh, you know, north to south. So uh, the, these other uh, areas are seeing what we had a couple months ago. So I think it's all a continuation of that uh, one thing. I think that, uh, you know, the message about wearing a mask uh, was... Um, was not communicated clearly uh, early on by, uh, you know, various, um, you know, international, national, state authorities. Part of that was because there was such a shortage of personal protective equipment that we didn't want uh, people running out and buying up the masks that we need for uh, doctors and nurses who are at the front lines taking care of uh, patients. But uh, I think we're, we're all pretty much on board with the mask use which is, uh, you know, really unfeasible uh, for the vast majority of sports, uh, you know, especially uh, people at this, um, you know, this level of, um, you know, physical conditioning and, and uh, uh, the level of exertion and the closeness of contact, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty unrealistic uh, that at least current technology uh, would allow any kind of uh, mask to be used. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, somebody comes up with something that's an add-on uh, to a helmet, which might help with football and hockey, but certainly not going to help with uh, some of the other sports. So I, 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 I understand the player's frustration uh, because, uh, you know, even though they're uh, predominantly young, uh, and we know that young people tend to do better when they get sick, not all young people do well. Uh, plus, they then have the opportunity, if they get infected, of bringing that home to their family. So, uh, you know, they're uh, you know, I don't know what individual people are saying, but uh, if they're frustrated, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the sickness itself, I mean, there's some people that, that, that are thinking right now that, you know, a lot of players miss games for flu-like symptoms or, you know, getting the flu during the season. What's the difference between the, getting the flu and getting COVID where it's a complete game changer and there's, there's, there's so much fear about it potentially running through a locker room? Right, again, the, you know, the disease in younger people and healthier people tends to be mild. 
uh, you've seen all the problem that's been uh, discussed with the, um, uh, the, the, you know, the issue that uh, people can have it and not even know they have it, but still uh, spread it. I think the, you know, the two key points that I always make with this is that young people do better, but it's not a get out of jail free card. Uh, in fact, the uh, uh, morning edition of the uh, electronic version of the Buffalo News, a story about a 21-year-old woman from Western New York who just died at Cleveland Clinic waiting for a lung transplant uh, following COVID infection. So, uh, you know, it's not, and we've, we've seen plenty of other people, they've been on the news here when they've been discharged from the hospital, uh, people's in their 20s and 30s. So some young people don't do as well. But again, the, the big issue is, uh, even though the individual a person may do well with it, if they then spread it to others, that, you know, the, the, culture, the coaches are older, the referees are older, the, you know, the statisticians, the, you know, the team docs, the, uh, you know, the trainers, uh, uh, you know, family members, uh, you have people who are at higher risk of having worse disease. Uh, so, uh, and, and obviously we have no vaccine for it. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of import. Uh, both for the players themselves and for everybody around them. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at the NBA and Major League Baseball right now. They're about to kick off their restarts, and, and both of them are kind of doing it in some form of a bubble. bubble. NBA, obviously, much more um, uh, intricate bubble as they're all in one place in Orlando. But the NFL is attempting – by all accounts, to stage a pretty normal season. And I think that's one of the big issues the NFL Players Association is currently having is like we need to approach this with a, with a little bit uh, smarter uh, thinking uh, around it because we can't do things like we always do it. And, and you consider how many players are on each team, even as we get to the season and, and rosters are cut down to about 50 players. How problematic is that approach where there's the traveling component and, and just the sheer amount of people that you have to deal with? Right. The, uh, you know, the NBA uh, may be able to pull this off. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say, will. we're going to have to wait and see what, uh, you know, see what the end result is. But, uh, obviously, they're bringing them in. They're quarantining them in their hotel. Uh, they're testing them every day. They're monitoring them every day. Uh, you know, the season is going to be short. Uh, the teams are going to start getting picked out, uh, you know, relatively quickly in terms of, uh, you know, getting into what looks like a playoff schedule. So, uh, you know, they may be able to pull this off. Uh, but again, you, you know, you already see that there's some, uh, you know, moaning and groaning with a number of the players about why do I have to stay in my room? And, uh, you know, I don't like my hotel and, uh, you know, guys with big egos don't like being told that they, you know, that they have to do uh, certain things. But if you're going to do this, uh, if you're going to try to do this, uh, this is exactly what has to be done. Uh, you know, you've got to keep them apart uh, from other people because once you allow uh, an infection in and that puts uh, everybody else at risk. And again, as I, I said before, the problems with uh, football, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the size of the teams and you're, you know, you're packing all of these guys on planes flying all over the country. You've got, uh, you know, various kinds of support staff, the, you know, the coaches, the trainers, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure a way of uh, how to do this, uh, you know, with a minimal uh, amount of risk. <clears throat> you know, there's been a lot of discussion about, uh, 
you know, air travel lately and which airlines are keeping the, you know, the middle seat free. Obviously, these guys don't travel on uh, uh, commercial flights, but, uh, you know, that same kind of logic is going to have to be used. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, not going to be like old home days where everybody can hang around and, uh, you know, use the, use the travel time as, as social time. They're going to have to be kept apart uh, where, you know, proper uh, uh, masking and, and such uh, in the hopes that they're going to prevent this from spreading. And again, the same thing, you know, once they get to the hotels, to the locker rooms, uh, you know, maintaining uh, some degree of, of physical distance and mask use is, is going to be important. So the, the big reason I want to talk to you today is we're starting to look ahead here and, and plan out this season if, it, if it's able to happen. And, and one of the first observations I made was, you know, the Bills have three of their first five games on the road and in states uh, that have had surging case numbers uh, in recent weeks. And one in particular is week two, so the second week of September at Miami, uh, where just yesterday 2,000 new, new cases um, ICU hospital bed capacity is at 90% in uh, Miami-Dade County. So what are the challenges for teams that are hoping to travel into cities like this, um, even if it's just for the day of the game where we're talking about, you know, get on a plane, fly into the city, go to the stadium, play the game, go back to the airport and fly home. What are the challenges even in those kind of situations? Well, the... It, you know, you just have to remember that uh, the hotspots change on a fairly regular basis. So for two months from now, uh, maybe a, a, maybe not a completely different show, but maybe a significantly different uh, show uh, than what we're, we're seeing at the moment. Mm. Uh, but again, if you're keeping people out of the stadium and you're not, uh, you know, I would presume they're not going to allow, uh, you know, fans to be lining the, you know, the driveways where the teams come in and, and things like that. If they, if they continue to uh, try to keep these uh, uh, players and the other uh, key people on the team, again, not the real bubble like the NBA is trying to do, but if you try to keep them separated, uh, you're going to improve the chances uh, that things uh, go well. Uh, if you don't maintain that separation, particularly when you go to a place that uh, you know may have a lot of uh, infections, uh, you know you're not not making sure that the, you know, the people who do all the ancillary work at the stadium, the, you know, the maintenance people and all of them, uh, you know, that they're not getting close to the players and that, uh, you know, they're being uh, properly managed. Uh, you know, it, it certainly has the opportunity to, uh, you know, to be a big problem. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I hope, and I have no direct knowledge, but I hope uh, that these are the kinds of things that each of the teams are doing uh, with their uh, medical experts. And I think that certainly the league should be doing some of this on a higher level uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody is getting to, you know, some reasonable standard of, uh, you know, making sure that we don't wind up with a, you know, complete blow up on the first week. Mm -hmm. And in terms of fans, uh, obviously you mentioned doing this without them is, you know, it's how things are starting off. There's still some teams reportedly that are, are putting in place, um, you know, uh, planning for uh, the eventual return of fans, if that's possible. Do you think that in any circumstance with the way things are looking right now and trending right now, and I know it's hard to predict uh, something like this, but that fans could be back at some point in 2020, or is this something that's going to, you know, kind of bleed over into next year? 
Well, you're recording me live, so I'll say it very politely. Uh, I think this is very ill-advised. Uh, you know, offline, I'll, I'll tell you in uh, you know New York language uh, what I think of this. Um, as uh, you know, as I showed you, uh, I was interviewed by your uh, colleague from Buffalo a few weeks ago. You know, and there are all these discussions about do you have you know like ten percent of the seats get filled, thirty percent, fifty percent, whatever it is. You know, looking at you would have to have every third or fourth or fifth seat. You know, all the other seats would have to be blocked out. But then you have all the issues of, of you know, people out in the parking lots, uh, tailgating. You know, and then they're all going to congregate on the gates to get into the stadium. Uh, I, I realistically, I just don't see how we can even be uh, remotely thinking about uh, bringing fans back until there is. Uh, a submission of the virus, and uh, presumably that's going to involve the availability of a good vaccine. Uh, because looking ahead from the the NFL uh, to the other indoor sports like the NHL, uh, you know, how do you bring people into a closed space like that uh, and expect that there's not going to be a spread? I mean, just just look at what's happened across the southern swath of the country. Uh, you know, yeah, we're reopening and and you know, just been absolutely explosive, uh, the number of cases. You mentioned Miami-Dade, uh, you know, Houston, uh, Texas Medical Center is the uh, largest uh, aggregate of uh, healthcare uh, facilities and beds in a, you know, in a designated area. They're, they're absolutely, you know, up to their limit in terms of number of cases. So I, I just don't see that uh, fans coming back to the stadium uh, or to the arena is going to be realistic, uh, you know, at, at the current state that we have with this pandemic. And in in your professional opinion, if a game was to be played in one of those hotbeds, like you mentioned, in, in a time where they're in the middle of being that hotbed, would your professional opinion be that maybe that game should take place outside of that area? Well, again, it, it, it's going to depend a lot on what their um, – you know, what all of their contingencies are and all of what their planning is, because, you know, if they make this a, um, you know, relatively aseptic kind of event in terms of how they, you know, they bring the team in and get them to the stadium and all of that, it may not make uh, quite as much difference. Uh, but certainly there is, you know, there's been that discussion, uh, you know, in a number of sports, including college sports, uh, you know, about doing things that a uh, you know, at a safe site or a neutral site. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, uh, you know, things are much better in Western New York right now, but as we get into the fall and the winter, we're, we're probably gonna see, almost assuredly gonna see some increase in cases as people move back indoors uh, and uh, start doing more indoor activities. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not sure that uh, planning right now that, uh, gee, the game in Miami should be moved to, um, you know, should be moved to Syracuse. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to be, a, a, you know, a viable option. Great stuff. Well, doctor, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Good luck. You just listened to my interview with uh, Dr. Selleck. It's an interesting time where a lot of doctors are, are offering their thoughts on an ever-changing situation in the world now with coronavirus involved in the United States, obviously still in the thick of things. I'm joined as always by Ryan Talbot. And we just wanted to 
react a little bit to that interview, a, a few of the things that, that Dr. Selleck talked about and the impact that it's going to really have on not only the Bills, but the NFL season coming up. Because what's the big difference, Ryan, and we talked about this with, with Dr. Selleck, is that you know, the NBA, it, it, they're going to be you know, the first league back. Uh, I'm not sure when the MLB starts, but you know, they're going to, to use another big league like the NBA. They're going full bubble. They're all in Orlando. All the teams are there in hotels. We've seen the post about um, some of the uh, accommodations and, and maybe uh, some displeasure from some of the players. But the NFL is going with the approach that, hey, listen, uh, Dr. Uh, Sills, uh, who is the uh, NFL's chief medical officer, said, listen, it's not practical or appropriate to construct a bubble in the NFL because the teams are too big, there's too many guys, and there's too many like, support staff. So the way that thing, this thing is going, uh, the only way the NFL can stage a season is by going full um, season with traveling. And, and that's where this question of what's going to happen in some of these hotbed cities um, but that's where I want to start. And I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here, but there's a, there's, we talked about it before the show. There's a lot to unpack as we get to this thing. This is going to change daily, weekly, monthly, and we're a little bit uh, more than two months away from the start of the season. But I think where I want to start is just, you know, what's happening today and what's happening around the country today is not necessarily where we're going to be at in September. No, absolutely not. And, and right now, Florida is the epicenter of the COVID-19 here in the United States. And, you know, what's scary, though, is with that going on right now, what opened up in Florida? Well, Disney. And you have these people traveling and all, all it takes is one person there to get it and to travel back home and to spread it there. And then you could have a new hot spot or a new uh, area where, where that spreads. Uh, unfortunately, we're in this situation where in, in certain areas, it's looking good. New York has made a, a, done a, one, a total 180 from where we were originally. But that doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet. And like you said, the NFL is a whole different beast than these other sports that are using that bubble approach. They can't do it because of the size of the personnel. So then there's so many questions about what can they do in this league in terms of making sure that players aren't, interacting with people outside you know in, in the, the residents friends and family that could then be giving it to them and then they could be taking it to the locker room um there's just so many layers to unfold with the nfl that you know a few months ago if you would have asked me is there a season i would have said 100 percent yes i'm starting to go down a little bit in, in terms of my uh how, how strongly i feel about that i still think the nfl will do everything possible to have a season but I'm a lot less confident in it than I was one month ago or two months ago. Mm -hmm. So the Bills play in Miami, and right now that's scheduled to be their first road trip uh, of the season because you know we still don't know what's going to happen in the pre with the preseason. The NFL uh, is recommending two games. The NFL Players Association wants no games to have that longer runway for training camp. Um, and even so, the way that it's scheduled right now with no changes, the Bills have two home games because they're canceling week one and week four. Now, the NFL wants to do one road, one home game for every team, so they'll probably make adjustments. But as we're sitting here July 14th, where we only have what we have to, to go off of, and that is that the Bills play at Miami on September 20th. Miami-Dade County right now, you mentioned that it's right now considered the, uh, the epicenter of the pandemic. Which, by the way, how crazy is that? Because the, the numbers and the just per capita there is just, it, it's really irresponsible behavior. But that's a whole other conversation for another time. 
But I think the seriousness, the point is the seriousness of this now, especially for football fans that want to see football in two, in two months, it's got to be taken much more serious. Miami-Dade County reported a record high in coronavirus cases on Sunday, 15,300. The previous high was 11,500 on July 4th. And so basically what Dr. Selleck said in the interview is you have, this is a direct quote, you just have to remember that the hotspots change on a fairly regular basis. So for two months from now, maybe not a completely different show, but maybe a significantly different show than what we're seeing at this moment. But with that said, if Miami is still going through any type of situation like this or, or any of the other teams for that matter in cities that the, the Bills have to travel, then not only you know what's a safety going to be for the Bills, but will those teams in those cities where the Bills have to travel to, will they be able to even field the team? Yeah, that's, again, it's just so many things that we don't know right now. When it, when it comes to the Bills, you have to think about some of the things that we've heard about uh, from the league, rumors, reports, saying that they might fly teams in the day of certain games. So for Miami, that would probably be a perfect situation for the Bills to fly in the day of the game. That's not going to work on those West Coast trips. That's not going to work in some other situations. But maybe with Miami, that's the best approach so you're not going into a hotel where there's other people. You can use private entrances. You can go right to your room. It doesn't mean that it's a full, uh, uh, the safest approach possible. So maybe flying in, going right to the, the stadium the day of the game is the best policy. And I know that's not ideal for players. I know many of them would not be happy with that situation, but you do have to think safety first in these scenarios. And like you said, we don't know where these hot spots are going to be. Uh, unfortunately, you know, all we've heard about for months now is the second wave might be worse than the first, and we're still in the first wave. We, we have no idea when the second wave is going to hit or if there's going to be a second wave. I'll, you know, there's going to be some people that say, well, there, maybe there won't be one. Maybe not. But right now, with these numbers that we're seeing in some places, it sure seems bound to happen because there are people, like you said, who are being careless. You still hear these reports in Florida uh, about people who – uh, are, are looking, I think it was a Tampa Bay Rays player who went into a store and he said people were looking at him funny for wearing a mask where everyone else was, was not wearing one. And, and he was so taken aback by that. Um, so, you know, until people really start taking this seriously, you can have these hot spots popping up all over the United States because for whatever reason, we're lacking some sort of discipline as a whole group of people that where there's just still this percentage of people that are not going to wear the mask do those simple things that even if you don't feel it makes a change do it because it's what you're being told to do and let's just see where we are two months from now if we follow these directions it may, it may not be something you believe but if it's for the betterment of everyone including yourself you know don't be selfish for those two months and do what you're being told to do and that behavior, I think, was a little bit more understandable in March and April as the pandemic was setting in and we were still learning about what, what's happening here. But, you know, you look around the country and I mean, we live in New York State where I feel like whatever your political feelings are on Andrew Cuomo, I feel like the leadership in this state has done a good job of going from literally one of the worst situations of any state or country in this whole uh, pandemic period and taking a bad situation where we had people dying and people contracting the, the, the disease at an absolutely astronomically high rate to now where we're one of the best states in the, in the country. And you look around, uh, another interesting thing, the New York today expanded 
the advisory uh, state list to 22 states, which means that if you're coming to New York from 22 uh, states in the country of the 50, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. And I started to think about that. Like, how does that impact potential home games for the Bills? Because you're going to have teams coming in. Now, they'll be essential, and there's probably protocols they could put in place where they bubble themselves as they come into this, this, this state and the city and go directly to their hotel or maybe even go directly to the facility. But, you know, Pro Football Talk's report of NFL teams considering, like you mentioned, um, same-day travel in and out uh, of cities to play games. And you, we saw the response from the NFL players uh, that day when that report came out. I think it was Tyron Mathow that, uh, that put out uh, – Hell no, <laughs> not happening. And, and there's, there's injury concerns there, um, you know, sleep deprivation, all types of things. We, we fail to remember sometimes that these guys, this is not just like some average Joe coming off the street. You're asking to travel, you know, even if it's Miami to Buffalo, you know, a, a three-hour flight or four-hour flight. It's still really uh, unfair, I think, to ask them to go through this. And then at the end of that journey and the end of that kind of truncated period of preparation, to then ask them to go play an NFL football game at full blast and full bore. And I think it's just a tough situation. But before we go on here, I wanted to list some of the protocols because this is important because the NFL released protocols for training camp, how uh, things are going to be handled at the facility, but also when there are some stuff uh, that, that apply to preseason games and, and kind of like a first preview of what it's going to look like. And, you know, when it comes to teams traveling, clubs must limit the number of non-player members in the traveling party to no more than 110 people. Just think about that for a minute. I mean, we're talking about that is a, a big ask. You know, uh, Dr. Selleck said, direct quote here, if you pack everybody into a plane, you pack everybody into a hotel, into a locker room, et cetera. So you've got real opportunity for a large number of people to be very close together. And now we're talking about not only players, but, you know, coaches, training staff, uh, other members of, of the front office and different stuff like that. Um, there's a potential for a problem here. Um, and the opportunities for someone to get infected, Selleck said, and then bring them back into that kind of inner circle, I think is a real potential for a problem. I don't know exactly what all the teams have done to deal with this, but hopefully they have done something to deal with this. And, you know, I think the scariest part of this is you can do everything the right way and put in the protocols and put in the, um, do everything that you're asking you to do, wear masks, social distance. And I still think that there could be a potential problem if, if just the smallest of interactions go wrong. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're even seeing this in some of those sports that are in the bubble, so to speak, or going to be in the bubble. We saw the, the Penguins sideline nine players because uh, they, they were worried about secondary exposure to COVID-19. So you have nine players right now that are being quarantined at this time. You have the Yankees closer, Araldis Chapman, Russell Westbrook of the NBA, all these players that are uh, either, you know, either have it or they're worried they may have it. And like you said, that we're not even at the actual games yet. Someone has it, let's hypothetically, and you go into the game, teammates, coaches, opponents get it. And then what are you doing? Are you forfeiting games in the next few weeks? Are you going to have a pool of players that are sitting around are we going to expand rosters this year there's still so many unanswered questions and I think we're seeing that frustration from players we saw Reed Ferguson last week when uh, Ian Rappaport was talking about talks saying you know oh they're, they're really close and he said something along the lines of yeah except for we have you know there, there's been no 
conversations about player safety and things like that. I get that there's all these other sports that are going to be playing here in the near future, at least planning to. And I'm sure the NFL is going to watch those leagues closely to see what they can take, because obviously, as we've mentioned, the bubble is not an option. But what can they take in terms of what's working for these players in these other leagues? But at the same time, the NFL is running out of time, two weeks away until players are supposed to report for training camp. Is that going to be the case? Right now they're saying July 28th is still the, the date. So does it get pushed back? We'll see. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, the NFL is starting to run out of time. They're, they're starting to – they're going to have to really communicate with these players and say, here's what we're expecting, here's what you need to do. And then who knows what kind of can of worms that opens up. Are there, is there going to be the option of players being able to opt out for the season like we've seen in other leagues? I, I think it's a very – reasonable uh i think it's something that could very easily happen and then all of a sudden these teams that look like they could be playoff bound takes one or two big name players to say i'm not risking my family's health and sitting out and all of a sudden the whole nfl is you know a a wild card for 2020 yeah and then and this goes back to you know we put out a podcast a couple weeks ago in earnest about you know will there be fans at the game and i don't think we really uh, myself, definitely. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I really realized how quickly this was going to come upon us. I, I felt like that. That even that adage where you know we've been talking about the the benefit of time for the NFL and the Bills at a, at a smaller level, time evaporates very quickly. And what I think I failed to realize is what the NFL is trying to do is on just such a different level of difficulty than what the NBA is trying to do, what the UFC has already done, putting it staging. I think it's up to 15 events now during the pandemic, which is just crazy to think. But again, they're able to create an interior bubble when they went to Florida and Jacksonville, when they've hosted the fights in in, um, Vegas. Now they're in Abu Dhabi and they've they've created a fight island, which has been, you know, fun to talk about on social media. But no, that they're doing it a different way than the than the uh, in the bubble than the NFL is attempting to do. So it's hard to kind of create those um, comparisons. Um, But before we get out of here, I want to read through a couple more of these things so fans really have an understanding of some of the things that were in this document. Um, Some of the talking points protocols listed for the preseason. One of them is visiting teams will continue with the standard protocol of arriving in the game city the day prior to the game to ensure players, coaches, and essential personnel are isolated within the same lodging facility to administer any applicable screening and testing and allow for requisite game day preparation. So that's in contrast to the pro football talk report, you know, as it goes right now from a a 30,000 foot view, the league standpoint, they're still approaching this like visiting teams are going to go in a day early. Um, That's one thing. The meal room must be private and dedicated to members of the traveling party only so that when they're congregating for meals, that has to be just for team personnel and the traveling party for the team. Players, coaches, staff must be scheduled for separate meal times and players should be staggered by position groups. So they're, they're taking this down to the smallest groups of people, almost like what we're doing, you know, in, in a lot of cities in terms of gatherings and, you know, limiting it to 10 people or less to try to limit the transmission of the infection. The traveling party is not permitted to leave the hotel to eat or otherwise use any restaurants in a hotel or otherwise open to the public. Clubs should consider providing welcome amenities and or utilizing private on-site vendors at hotels to provide food and drink in rooms upon arrival in order to minimize trips to public markets. This next one's very interesting though. 
members of the traveling party may order hotel room service or other food directly to the room and may use third-party food delivery service services with contactless delivery uber eats group grubhub doordash postmates okay let me just tell you i've done most of those services they are not um contactless delivery i mean you you can wear a mask you can wear gloves you can you can do that but that's it's not a it's a transaction so whether or not you have to go down to the hotel lobby to pick it up if it was dropped off or if you're getting it directly from the grubhub or or a doordash person you are having it's not a contactless delivery so there's um you know subject let me read the last part subject club rules members of the traveling party may pick up food from club pre-approved eateries or restaurants but may not dine in at a public restaurant or eatery so i think that even that to me is signaling that there are some potential holes or you know uh in this plan because all it's going to take is one crazy fan delivering a, a Grubhub order to go nuts, meeting a person, not wearing a mask, especially in a city like, like Miami where we're seeing video after video where people are, there's a lot of people, parts of, the, of society that aren't wearing masks. I just think that you're opening yourself up. This, I think like, while I do agree it's not practical to administer a full bubble, you have to have a bubble mentality on these trips. No, I agree. And as you were just talking, I'm thinking in my head, and I don't know how feasible this is, but maybe the NFL has, has to talk with some hotel franchise and say on these weekends, we want to book the entire hotel, have it from Friday to Sunday. Now we're only coming in the day before the game, but that way it gives a full day for them to sanitize, sterilize, clean the hotel. There's no one else there. I don't know if that's feasible, but we're talking about a multi-billion dollar league you would think that if they wanted to rent out hotels for certain weekends especially if fans aren't going to be in attendance because i think fans are the ones that preoccupy a lot of those uh hotels during the nfl season i would think that hotels would be willing to work with them a little bit the the um eateries that you mentioned all of that there are significant holes in that and, and i agree completely and i don't know what the answer is though. they have to eat obviously uh, I don't think you can bring. I don't think you'd be bringing your team chef or anything like that along with that 110 in food. That's not. That's not a possibility either. But again, maybe if you book the entire hotel, you have you can have someone come in there and do the cooking, and you can still stagger your players and your coaches and things like that. Like you said, you have to have a bubble mentality of some kind. You just can't go to this ritzy hotel where there are other people staying necessarily, even if you aren't planning on there being any contact whatsoever. Like you said, it just takes one interaction for this to spread and then for it to be a disaster for a player and or for a team, depending on how many other people get this. So I agree completely. There's still a lot of holes in this game plan, so to speak, and the NFL really needs to try to come up with the best made plans here uh, in the next two weeks. I mean, I, I know training camp's not the same thing as a regular season, but you really need to start giving these players some kind of peace of mind in terms of we are looking out for your best interest. Here's what we're going to do. If we have two preseason games, here's what we're going to do in the regular season as well. Yeah. And I think that if you can arrive at something like that, where you can have um, not only some protocols, but just some reassurance from the league, you know, at the highest level that the NFL has, has really done their due diligence and thought through all the potential 
as many potential problems as they can. If you can't provide that to players, I think you have to really consider pushing back the start of the season. And I know that, you know, nobody wants a shortened season, but you know what? Nobody wants a outbreak within a team in an organization that completely takes them out of a season. You know, if we're talking about even a 40, like I think it was five, or I saw an article recently where uh, an expert, an infectious disease expert, expert talked about what it would look like for a five to five to six player um, infection once the teams congregate. And, and that, that could be up to a two week um, problem where you're talking about, you know, a big chunk percentage of the team that's liable to catch the infection. So, you know, if, if you have to push the season back to get to a place where you feel comfortable at executing a league year outside of any bubble situation, I think that you got to do it. Oh, I agree completely. I mean, right now you you have to get the NFL players to to feel like you're looking out for the best interests, which I'm hoping that they're genuinely doing. And if that means pushing it back a month or two, so be it. Shorten the season, cut some games out, do what you need to do to get your season in, but make sure that your your players are going to be healthy or in a situation to stay healthy uh, for the entire season, whatever that may look like. Like we've said in previous podcasts, maybe there's a vaccine that comes out in November, December range. Is that foolproof? No, it's not necessarily foolproof, but I think it would give players a lot more peace of mind. It would give uh, fans more peace of mind, the league more peace of mind. So right now, though, I I think pushing back the season is certainly something that needs to be considered, uh, as there's a lot that we still don't know about COVID, even after we've been experiencing this now for several months. And don't misconstrue everybody. This is not um, a, a prediction or request based on want because nobody wants a football season more than me. I'm so excited. You know, we got some of the early um, training camp guidelines from, from the bills and from the NFL. And, you know, we're going to be able to, I think on most days, uh, with new protocols in place, still be able to cover a portion of practice or maybe even, we don't know what it looks like yet, but maybe a big chunk of practice, maybe all of practice, like most years of training camp. So, I mean, we're, we're close. And, and trust me, my juices are flowing, man. I'm ready to get out there and, 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 and really break or start to really dive into this team. Now, all interviews and, game, and player interactions are going to be virtual, but we can still do this. There's a way to do it. But I just think for, you know, we spend so much talking about time talking about the NFL. And to me, it's about the players and it's about the player safety. They're taking the biggest risk. So from that perspective, I want them, I want everything that to be in place to be, to be safe for them. But uh, we're going to get out of here. We got a series coming out. Make sure you check it out uh, over the next week. We'll be, we'll be leading up hopefully all the way to training camp. We're going to take a look at each position group. Uh, we'll go one by one. Uh, I think we're going to come out this week with a couple. What, do you, what, do you, what are you planning for this week? I think I'm going to do quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm going to get offensive line in this week for sure and possibly defensive line as well. Look at this guy, overachiever, the big man, Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This has been Shout of Football Podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review. really helps us out. We're growing by leaps and bounds. Thank you so much to everybody that made uh, our last episode with special guests from The Bachelorette. Uh, Jason Tardick, our most popular episode to date. We keep putting those up there, and, and you guys keep uh, uh, really supporting the pod, so we really appreciate it. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. As always, keep it locked on the NYUpSyracuse.com for all your Bills content.